Welcome back, Bolt fam. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Chargers Powder Hour. Colin Appel, Miles Raruka here. We are your co-host, and man, we are still we're still recovering from the brutal loss to the Jaguars on Saturday night. Um, all of Chargers, all, all all of the Bolt fam, I should say, is hurting right now, and uh, it's still fresh, and it's not easy to talk about, but we have to do it. We have to have to break it down, and um, and just kind of ask the question, like where. Where do we go from here and what's next for this team, for this organization? There's a lot to unpack and, and we'll get into everything, but um, how are you doing, man? How are you feeling? And look, if there's if there's any episode, I mean, we should be drinking on, on every episode, but if there's any reason that we sh- that calls for drinking just easily, like it's, it's, it's this moment. So how are you feeling and what are you drinking? Uh, you're gonna have to give me a brief, like, ten second pause to go grab myself a beer because I did intend to. Um, but I'm going to be drinking. Um, we had a big party here Saturday night. Not a great time to have a bunch of people over your house. Saturday night was. I pretty much just kind of wanted to be alone in my thoughts, listening to some Marvin's room. Uh, but I'm gonna be I'm gonna be drinking uh, some Acres Ales. Uh, Acres is a John Deere. Uh, dealer here that we have here in Nebraska and they make their own ales and our family works with them so I'm going to be drinking one of those I got to grab one out of my fridge here in a second but that's what I'm going to be drinking man but yeah man uh, before we get into what you're drinking dude it's I've been doing kind of rough this we were just kind of talking before we hopped on this this is one of those games for me Uh, I've never been more kind of shell-shocked after a game I mean it's been five days now and I'm still just keeps me up at night. Um, so we got, we got a lot definitely to talk about, but what are you drinking, man? While I go grab myself a beverage real quick. Yeah, I'll let you go do that. I am drinking a good old, uh, Sam Adams cold snap, the white ale and, uh, saw it, saw it in the grocery store last night. As you guys probably know at this point, I love me, I love Sam Adams. I love, uh, you know, a lot of their different brews that they have. But uh, the Cold Snap is very good. 5.3% elk, 10 IBUs. So if you guys haven't tried the Sam Adams Cold Snap, it's seasonal. So can't get it year-round. It's on, It's obviously out uh, this time of year. It's currently blizzarding in Nebraska, so it's appropriate. And it's very good. It is indeed blizzarding here in Nebraska. Just the dark shadow over my head of happiness grows grows bigger, unfortunately, here in Nebraska. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Exactly. No school today, though, for me, so I guess that's kind of a dub. But, um, yeah, man, uh, let's, let's get into some football here. I'll get you guys a can crack real quick, but let's talk ball, man. As, as, as unwilling as we may want to do it, we're going to give you guys what you guys deserve. So let's get into it. Let's dive into it. Obviously, man, um, look, Chargers blow 27-0 lead, the largest blown lead in franchise history. So I, I totally understand the, the comments and the arguments that this was the biggest chargering moment that they've ever had. Uh, and it's definitely up there. You know, 
anytime you anytime you're up 27 nothing with under a minute left to go before halftime uh that game is over it just is yeah like, it should have been especially with how that it, it definitely should have been and what I'll get into here in a second is is you know how could this have been prevented and, and why why did this happen um, or how did this happen um, but yeah man just complete inability to score in the second half and and look this is an issue that we've been talking about all season long you know the, the beat writers have been reporting it the media knows at this point you know it's like it's not a secret if you're uh, if you follow this team that this team cannot score in the second half they just can't. Um, it, they totally shut down. Whatever was working for them in the first half isn't working for them in the second half of these games. And it's like I, I said a month ago, I was like, I love this team. I'm a diehard. Follow them till I die. No, no loss, no soul crushing moment will ever deter me from rooting for this team. But I just, I didn't believe in them, um, which some might take offense to that. As fans, and, and hey, you have your own opinion, but for me, like, as much as I love something, um, you just you can't fool yourself into thinking that everything is amazing and 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 nothing's gonna nothing's gonna go wrong because there were there were obvious concerns about this team and their second half performance, and it showed up. It showed up on Saturday, and they blew a 27, 27 point lead in large part to this offense, this offense's inability to score in the second half. Yeah, I, I think so, there's really only well, one place that this all begins for this team. On a dark, scary night of January 25th, 2001, or 2021, excuse me, Joe Lombardi was hired by the Los Angeles Chargers. And ever since that date, Justin Herbert, has okay. not been able to be his full self. I'm not a Lombardi supporter, but if I had to play devil's advocate, I would, if I were a Lombardi supporter, my argument would be, what about last season? Because last season, the numbers were still like, we had our, we had our shadows of doubts about Lombardi. I think even at points later in, in the season last year, uh, obviously not as vocalized as they have been this year. Um, but the offense still operated operated at a pretty high level last year, and you know they just totally took a step back this year. And obviously, same offense and same coordinator, so it makes sense is why he got the boot. He had to go; something had to change offensively. Um, but the main question, well, first main question I had for you is, how could this have been prevented? In your opinion, how could Saturday night's meltdown have been prevented? I mean, if you if you could not even you could not just how could it be how could it be prevented? I'm sorry, I'm trying to add too much onto the question. So how how would I oh sorry, I thought you were gonna ask something else to that. So how could have this been prevented? So I there's in a meltdown like that, there's not just one finger to point. You know, there's so many different fingers to point. Uh you could you could point it at it as the offense as a whole, you could point at it at the defense as a whole, you know. Michael Davis goes down with injury. Joey Bose had some bad penalties. Dicker the kicker missed a kick. Um, 
there's just so many different facets of just what went wrong Saturday night that in that second half that I don't even know you have to put you would have to point the fingers at you know the ringleaders of this organization as in Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi and anybody else that has really anything you could go as far up and pointing fingers at you know Telesco and you know some of the owners and things along those lines I, I it's hard to point out one really one thing in general that went wrong when the reality of it is everything that could have possibly went wrong went wrong I I don't know maybe you could shed yeah. some light on what so what are some of the bigger things versus some of the smaller things but in just in reality just everything that could have went wrong went wrong I mean you're absolutely right when you by saying everything that could go wrong did go wrong and to me it's one of those to me it's more of a question of okay everything everything that did go wrong did go wrong or everything that could go wrong did go wrong but what if just one of those things went right i think would it have been enough because I, i i'm under the impression that yes everything did go wrong but if one thing even just one it doesn't have to be a something as big as an actual one more touchdown. But like if one more thing goes changes or, or has a different outcome, does it, is it enough for the chargers to escape Jacksonville with a win? I would like to, it would depend on what thing you were referring to, but so I would like to what, think what comes that... to my mind, what comes to my mind initially is like, had they put up one more field goal? one more touchdown had they made one more stop on defense had they had one less soul crushing penalty in the second half had they been able to convert touchdowns off turnovers versus settling for for field goals like obviously if you add all those up there's no way they lose there's no fucking way no i mean they shouldn't have lost even the the situation that they were in but and look, there's there's probably not a right way to answer this question or a right answer in general, but that's where my mind goes is like just that mindset of if one if one thing out of everything that could have gone wrong actually went right, would it have been enough for this team? Because I I just when I ask myself that question, I think it I think they win even if just one thing, and and I, the reason I say that is because when you're up twenty seven to zero at one point you know, with basically a half to go. Everything does have to go wrong for you to lose that game. That's the only reason. That's the only way you blow a 27-point game. Like, you, you just stop scoring, and you just start letting their offense get back into the game. And that's so, exactly what happened. You know, their, their offense yeah. basically picked up where our offense left off in the first half and just kind of found their rhythm. You know, they were able to attack our defense in so many different ways that we just weren't we weren't prepared for it, you know. And then you lose guys like Mike Davis for the second half, a majority of the second half, and then you realize that you don't know how to you don't know how to deal with these kind of you know, this has been a team that we've mentioned all year is resilient. You know, they're a team that has come back from so many deficits, whether that be in the first quarter or the second half or just even a game winning drive. And I, I think that just our streak of our streak of resiliency just ran out. 
you know, and and the thing is, is that wasn't a game in which we put ourselves in a position to have to come back down from. But honestly, I feel like I'm not even crazy to say I would have almost rather been the team that was down 27 just because it fits our style of play. You know, this this team isn't used to having big leads. Every single game that we won, other than like the Rams game or the Colts game, was games that we had to come back and dig deep and find our own personality. And I think just at the end of the day in this game, it just, it didn't fit. It sounds stupid to say, but it, it, it was, we were in a position in which we were uncomfortable with and our, we got simply just out coached in the second half. We, we did get out coached in the second half. Um, Brandon Staley even admitted to that in a sense today at, at his press conference where he was like, well, I didn't get out coached for a half which basically implies that he did get out coached for the other half. Um, so you, yeah, you're, you're right about that. Um, and something that you touched on earlier a little bit that, that was actually my other question, which was who's to blame for this meltdown. And I, I think you're initially right. What you said earlier, I think you're right. You know, there's multiple people to blame for this meltdown. You can't just pin it on, on one person um, but I can pin it on two people and none of them are players. They're both coaches, uh, rightfully so. And I pin it on, I, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. I pin it on Joe Lombardi and Brandon Staley. Yep. And the reason why I say Joe Lombardi first is because I put the majority of the blame on Lombardi. And before any of our listeners like sit up wherever they're listening and be like, what, what do you mean? You're not gonna put majority of this on Staley. Like people are calling for his head right now, and I and I like I tweeted on Saturday night drunkenly, but emotionally, and I I still feel this way. Is I want them to fire Brandon Staley. That I I am on that side of the fence. Um, but uh, no, I, I put more more of the blame on Joe Lombardi for this meltdown for 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 one reason, and. It's basically you have if you score one more time, one more time in that game. Now they did score one more time in the second half. They put up three points. That's I'm talking about adding on to that because three points is just unacceptable for a second half performance when you put up 27 in the first. Like you're you're leaving yourself open to this scenario when your offense completely goes stagnant. And you basically give two quarters to the other team to be like, here, catch up, <laughs> see if you can catch up before time runs out. Like that's what you're doing. Um, and not even scoring. This offense couldn't move the fucking ball in the second half at times. And yeah, we saw, we did see Cameron Dicker miss a, a really crucial, important kick that definitely, we were look. We were talking before we started recording. I think it would have been like that's one of those small little things. I think had gone right. I think it would have been enough to to walk out of Jacksonville with a win. I really do. Uh, and I don't even. I'm not even upset at him for missing that kick because the fact that he was in that situation to begin with is ridiculous. Like. I'm sorry. Why are we? Why are we putting our season on like in the hands of a, of a kicker and not 
our actual best player on the roster and, uh, or quarterback. Or our defense that had four interceptions in the very first half. You know, it's it's right. And, so, well, and obviously Herbert, I, and that's I, why I'm happy that you said Joe Lombardi first. Yeah, he, and and go ahead. There's a lot. I mean, look, one touchdown in the third quarter over the last 13 weeks of the season, including the playoffs. 13 weeks, and you had one touchdown in the third quarter. Unacceptable. Got to go. Like fired with good reason. Um. The Eckler usage was ridiculous on Saturday night. Uh, what do you have, like six carries in the second half or four or something? Just god awful number. When we were up twenty. Um, they ran, they ran more to the left instead of the right, which I think the right side is right now at least the, the stronger side to run behind. Um, considering their their uh, was it a run play that Eckler scored on in the in the first. Yeah, it was a run play right after the very first pick. Yes, so that was to the right side. Um, Just completely abandoned that for the rest of the game, which is nice, cool. Um, And just the lack of identity that this offense had. Uh, We talked about this team's identity being, you know, resiliency and and, and that earlier on. Um, This offense doesn't have an identity. They're just, they're riding whatever wave, whatever identity the defense has created at this point, um, no identity on, on, on the offense side of the ball, uh, no balance, you know, it's completely abandoned, abandoning the run. And, and like Joe Lombardi basically said, I don't know how many times to Justin Herbert this year. Hey, go save me. I don't know what to do for me. Go, I could just go save us. Be amazing. Keep my job. Be a hero. Keep my job for me. Go yeah, go go play hero ball and keep my job. Essentially, is is what he's telling them. Like, um, so yeah, like that to me. I put the blame more on Lombardi, but I also put a large amount on Brandon Staley. You know, at the end of the day, you're the head coach. You're the one driving the boat. The buck has to stop somewhere, and we'll I'll get into this later and other thoughts on Staley uh, before we wrap up, but. Look, this 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 has to be like as a head coach and like Staley is a young a very young head, head coach not just by, by age but also just by experience. A very young coach in general, not even a head coach. I think he's been in the league for 5 years. So um there's going to be growing pains. I think we just for whatever reason, you know, maybe we've forgotten that and have to accept that as fans. Um, whether it be decision making, personnel, like whatever it is, um, but you have to at some point step forward and try to stop the 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 slow car crash that's happening in front of you. Um, and so, look, this defense definitely didn't help this offense at all. Um, you know, I think throughout the year we've we've been able to say, well, the offense was shit, but the defense won the game. Like the defense won us the game. Um, and then they didn't even do that. So like they, you know, as much as they balled out in the first half, like there's got to be some consistency. There has to, you can't just play superhero ball for a half and then play fucking division three NAIA football for the other half. Like, <laughs> like teams are, they're too good. Coaches are too good. They game plan. Um, they adapt. They'll beat you. And that's what happened. So, 
yeah, who do you, who do you put the blame on? I know you kind of already addressed it earlier, but who would you put the blame on more, Staley or, or Lombardi? See, that's a really good question. I think it's pretty close to 50-50 for both of them. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're the head coach of a team, you know, you're 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 the one that's down on the field with them. Lombardi's just up there being an idiot up in the booth. But, you know, at the end of the day, Brandon Staley's the one that's doing clock management. He's he's the defensive play caller for the team that gave up 30 straight points. Like at at the end of the day, I think you got to you got to question both of them. But I can understand how you would want how people would still want at Staley's head. I don't know if I'm quite there yet, me personally. Um, just because we did kind of see some flashes as to what this defense can look like later on in the season. And I think if we get to a you know consistency of that, then I think Staley can be one hell of a head coach. But you can't blow a 27-point lead in the playoffs. Plain and simple, you know. I think that there's yeah. a lack of it. There it almost feels like that there was a lack of leadership from the coaching position in that second half. You know, we've seen a lot of players come out and report like, "Well, we, we ride with Staley. Like we we've bought into his system. We we know what he's capable of doing." And I think right now, if I think right now, if players have that kind of trust built in your coach, it's it's hard to it's hard to put full blame on them, let alone get rid of them yeah. it's just kind of at, at the end of the day it's that kind of connection that you have with the coach that can take you to the next level and if that's what if that's what the players believe yeah. in then i don't think there should be a change made quite yet uh, what i forgot to throw in there was a main like a bigger reason why bigger reason why staley is to blame not only just because he is the head coach but also uh, he's got to figure out a way to, and this, I don't know if this is this is just from inexperience of being so young and, and not having been around long enough, but he's got to find a better way to game plan for the second half better this next season. Um, this wasn't just a, a playoff issue. This was kind of a lingering issue for, I would say, a majority of the year. You know, um, like Doug Peterson was able to do it, and you weren't. And so... You know, we go back to the question that they asked him today at the press conference was, do you feel like you got outcoached by Doug Peterson? And he did. Wow. He did. Because at the end of the day, Doug Peterson won. So, yeah, you got outcoached. Um, sure, you outcoached him for the first half. That's great. Uh, there are two halves to football, in case people didn't know that. That That is a thing. Um, so, look, he, he, in 2023, one of the areas I, I need to see him improve in, if he wants to keep his job, because he is coaching for his job now. I mean, that is just still amazing to say after two weeks. I mean, two weeks ago, I would be like, no, he's probably, I mean, as long as he just doesn't fucking fuck up these last two weeks, he'll pro- probably finish out his deal, which is four years. You know, like even if they, having 50 50 year next year i could see them keeping him around for a for, no like he is coaching for his job now um it's 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 playoff success or bust for staley in 2023 but one of the areas i'd like to see him improve in is you got a game plan better for the second half you gotta you gotta adapt whether you're up big and you you, you know they adapt to you so you have to adapt to what the changes they're making or you're getting your ass kicked at halftime and you obviously have to make changes to try to rally this team back into it. Like it just, 
that has been a big issue for me this this season. And uh, maybe it was there. I don't know. I, I don't remember it being an issue last year as much, but it's definitely shown up this year. Yeah, I, th- that is, that's kind of a question that I've had against any Staley or Lombardi haters. Not that I don't agree with 95% of the things people say, but where, where was – Play call, where was our play calling last year? You know, I, I remember it feels like we won more. I know we didn't, but it just feels like we had a lot more maybe because we had bigger wins last year. You know, we had more fun wins last year, if I want to say that. You know, we had the Steelers game, we had the the Browns no, game, which was definitely crazy. Like, Steelers, Browns, the Chiefs game early in the season. Chiefs, like we just had a lot of really, really great offensive games this year. And you know, looking back on this year, what was our best offensive games you know the, the rams game i guess uh the rams Texans yeah. wasn't bad yeah you know any game that we put up above yep 25 points as a fan we were like okay well our offense Which, didn't sputter this game and you know when if justin herbert is as described if justin herbert is to this entire fan base as we all think he is and as some of the nfl might think that we're crazy to think but if he is what he is, then we need somebody in there that's going to, you know, elaborate on his talent. Somebody that's going to be creative with it. Somebody that's going to, you know, show some new things. Really, really pull him out of his box that Lombardi put him in. And hopefully, I know we're going to get into this, but hopefully with this offensive coordinator hunt, we can find somebody that, that fits that mold for him. And I, I think that's definitely top priority when it comes to finding an, an OC right now. Yeah, look, the Chargers are 13th right now. And, well, they finished the season 13th in, in points per game scored. Just to give you some perspective of who finished around the Chargers, uh, the Raiders finished ahead of the Chargers in points per game scored this year, 23.2 to 23. So you just compare offenses immediately. You go, who's better, Herbert or Carr? Okay, who has more weapons? Probably the Chargers. Uh, Eckler, Keenan, Mike. Go. That one could probably go either way. Yeah, it's probably it's pretty it's pretty equal. It's pretty equal, but biasy will give the edge to the Chargers. Um, but there's no way you can look at those two things on paper and say, yeah, they'll probably have this like identical. No, like you should like the Seahawks perform like outscored the Chargers per game this year. The Jaguars, the Bengals. The line, the Detroit Lions, um, you know, who finished right behind them? The Packers, not a playoff team. Falcons, not a playoff team. Um, Patriots, Browns. Like, this offense is too talented. There are too many weapons for this to be a just, meh, like, middle-of-the-pack scoring offense. It should be top five every year, no matter what. As long as you have Justin Herbert and the weapons that we currently have, there's no reason it should not be top five every year. No, there's no way it should be top three every year. You know, we should be, we should be a top of the AFC. Yeah. West. We would have been probably a top of the AFC West with the chiefs this year. If we just would have had a competent offense, I think anybody in this fan base could say that, but there's, there's a lot of things that need to happen this off season. Obviously yeah. started with Lombardi is gone. Hip hip hooray news that we've been waiting for since probably like week two. Um, it, it seems like so, um, yeah, this OC hunt is going to be very, very interesting. It's, there's a lot of candidates to keep in mind and I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it, man. I, 
it's kind of like when hiring a new coach, you know, you're just excited for, you know, who's going to bring in a different system, who's going to piece together the pieces we have and figure out, you know, this is how we got to use this guy. This is how we got to use this guy, so on and so forth. So, but yeah, Lombardi yeah. clearly and was just not the man's is... job at the end of the day. Yeah, clearly um, just not, was not the guy that was going to get the most or unlock the most potential out of Justin Herbert. And yeah, glad you brought that up. That was a good transition. Um, you know, what's exciting about this OC search is that it sells itself in a heartbeat immediately. Um, I mean, who would not want to have the opportunity to work, to have Justin Herbert as your quarterback, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, Austin Eckler, you know, in company and the supporting cast around him. Uh, look, this is a job that's going to get somebody a head coaching gig in one, to, one to two seasons. It's that simple. Like it's, it is the best job out there. That's not a head coaching job by far. hundred percent. Um, it's probably, you could argue better than some head coaching jobs because maybe you come here for a season or two, uh, and get a better gig than just being thrown into some dumpster fire of an organization, uh, and failing right off the bat. So you could probably even argue that. And um, you know, based on what Brandon Staley said today at, at the press conference, um, the search is going to be very broad. They're, they're not, I mean, they're going to turn over a lot of stones. Experience will not, or experience or lack thereof is not going to be, is not going to matter according to, to Staley. Um, you know, he's, he values leadership and the ability to, you know, lead, a side of the ball and, 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 you know, establish a culture that works with what Staley wants. Um, but look, my main thing with the, the offensive coordinator search is I hope they find someone that is going to be able to bring an identity to this side of the ball. I think that's immediately, that's what stands out to me. I mean, obviously you have all these weapons, like it's always been on paper, this offense on paper been been one of the top five offense for probably the last five seasons. So it's more so of how how do we find someone that's just gonna take it and run with it versus someone that like I I do think experience matters in in this situation in this scenario. I, I think it does. So I don't love Brandon Staley saying that, but um like I would I also understand that the way the, the way this league works is people come up through the ranks every year. I mean, opportunities. Um, we see new head coaches. We see new young offensive coordinators that set the league on fire. Like that's just it's not a it's not a seniority league. Like there's not a lot of coordinators that are fifty plus. You know, um, so I understand that part. It's it's not everything, but to me, it it does matter. Um, just a short short list here. Who are who are some of your favorite candidates that come to mind, and who would you absolutely love for the Chargers to to pursue? So the first guy that comes to mind right off the bat is a guy that I think that they could get back as their quarterbacks coach. Considering I would guess that he'll be out of a job here pretty soon, and that's Pep Hamilton. Uh, Pep Hamilton had played such a massive role in you know, the Herbert versus Tyrod Taylor with Anthony Lynn discrepancy. Um, Pep Hamilton was able to 
obviously, you know, he had an offensive rookie of the year quarterback that who was not supposed to start the year and just came out and absolutely balled out. Um, Pep Hamilton was OC for the Texans. Uh, Texans going to hire a new head coach here pretty soon. I'm guessing he'll probably clean shop. So Pep Hamilton would be a guy that, you know, especially because he was OC, you know, if he's the one getting fired, he can, it doesn't have to be a lateral move for him. You know, he can, he can take that step back, back into being a QB coach for Justin Herbert and then helping him develop. So that's, that's the first guy that comes to mind. Another one that comes to mind is Frank Reich, uh, the Indianapolis Colts OC. I saw that he was interviewing for the Cardinals head job yesterday, I believe. So who knows if, you know, he'll, he'll get offered another job somewhere, but like you mentioned, I think pretty much any OC right now that, you know, can, could not be brought into maybe they're not ready for a head coaching role right now, but anybody that wants to make kind of one of those lateral moves to work with guys like Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and everything we got going for us, I think any of those guys are out on the table. I know there's a few other names I could bring up. Um, I want to say there's another LaFleur or something that – uh, Mike Lafleur. Yeah, that his name has been thrown around a bit, and just coming from any kind of coaching tree along the Shanahan Lafleur line is, I mean, you see, you see how that's worked out for guys like Mike McDaniel's and you know the Packers head coach Matt Lafleur and any of those guys, Kyle Shanahan himself. So those are definitely the kind of guys that are working with offenses now that have quite a few weapons that I think could really really make a splash on this team um is there, is there anyone else i'm missing that you could have that you could elaborate on the only other one that i had come to mind that i mean everyone everyone you said was on my list but i also have uh joe brady joe brady on there joe as brady well. was another I mean, one yes everyone knows that name uh because of the lsu tigers and the crazy historic offense that they had back in 2019. Um, Joe Brady was the passing coordinator for that offense. Now, I believe uh, he was quarterback coach for was it the Panthers. He was QB coach for the Panthers, yeah. So he was dealing with you know Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, not Justin Herbert there. So I would take that with a grain of salt. But yeah, that's a name that I really like. Um, you know, okay, he, he worked well with Burrow. I would say he's on the same caliber as Herbert. You know, I I, I would agree. You know. Darnold and and uh, Baker are not so that gives me some confidence. Um, I also like. I mean, if he's a passing game coordinator, you know, it's not just the QB that you're you're working with. You're also working with the receivers and just the offensive coordinator and and how you can make the passing game better. So that that's a name that I really like. Um, I also think, look, these types of hires that that's kind of a double edged sword. Um, because the way this league works is like whoever takes this job is probably going to have success if they're not just totally an idiot like Joe Lombardi. I'm sorry, I didn't know any other word to use. Um, but they're going to probably get a head coaching gig offer within one to two seasons. So whatever higher, and this is just how the world works. Like whatever, if we really hit a home run with this hire. We're only going to have this guy for probably one to two seasons, and that's just the the reality of it. Like that's just how this league works. Uh, we'll probably have to find someone else after that. But um, look, you, it, if you get one one to two seasons of really good play calling, then it's you take it. It's never 
it's not even a question. So um, that is a, another thing to think about that I just kind of did think about. Yeah, no, but let's say out of those one to two years, you know, Justin Herbert's MVP candidate, we make it to the AFC Championship, which I think we both know this ro- this oh, yeah, roster exactly. is very – yeah. Very capable of making a deep run. This is one of the most complete rosters in the league, dude. Super Bowl's probably not out of the question yeah. for this team as long as we have Justin Herbert under center. So if we rent a guy for two years oh, no, and he and goes on to become a yeah. head coach, then hell yeah, dude. It's just whatever it takes to keep us afloat. Just just take it a season at a time. Whatever it takes to keep us afloat, let's do it. No, I, 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 like you're hitting the nail on the head. And the thing is about it too, it's what makes a good coach a good coach. It's not just, I mean, yes, you have to go out and perform and, and be consistent. Um, but you, you have to be able to find the right guys to bring in consistently. Like if you do bring in a, a really good coordinator and he's only here for a year or two, we should have the same faith that you'll be able to find his replacement just as well as, you know, and, and, and keep the, the show the show moving. Um, so that's where I think, you know, coaches definitely like, that's a good area for them to get judged in, um, is the hires that they make, because at the end of the day, like you're only as good as your staff. And even if you have a pretty good head coach, but you just have a shit staff, like a lot of position groups in football and, and a lot of different guys on that team. So, um, that, that's a, that's a good measuring stick, but, uh, no, as far I can't think of any other candidates that that come to mind off the top of my head. I mean, I think those those four to five are any one of those four to five I would be on board with. Yeah, um, and you know, this has just kind of been the first few days where we've been really diving into candidacies. You know, there's going to be a lot of rumors of oh, well, this guy's visiting here, this guy's visiting here. So I'm sure a lot more names will probably put their hat in the ring, but. Um, for now, it's just it's pretty much just focused around who's going to be the guy that is going to be able to make Justin Herbert the superstar that we all know he is and have not seen quite yet. All right, well, let, let's bring it along uh, to one of the last topics here. Um, well, before we get to the last topic, actually, uh, Shane Day and Michael Michael Will Hoyt both canned, fired um uh, with Lombardi and honestly a little surprised actually surprised both of those guys got fired as well um Lombardi I think everyone and their dog could see coming the writing was on the writing had been on the wall for months now and um I think it kind of sucks for Shane Day I, I liked him I mean whatever any chance I, I got to kind of see or hear him and whether it be like all in or uh, he never really, I don't think as a quarterback coach, you don't get a lot of like media time, you know, it's pretty much just the coordinators and, and the head coach, but, uh, I liked him, you know, he, he could tell he really liked working with Justin Herbert and as a quarterback's coach, I, it's just a tough life. I would imagine. I mean, your six, your, all your success basically kind of relies on, on the coordinator success because it's, it's tough to judge, um, you know one success without the other, I guess. Uh, so kind of feel for him. You know, I, I know his name got brought up a little bit in the potential OC search, but didn't last very long. He's out. Um, and then also Michael, Michael Wilhoyt. 
I didn't know a whole lot about him, but after I did a little bit of research, um, players absolutely love him. He's a former player. And uh, some of our linebackers underneath him had really good years, career years. You know, I, I look back at Kaiser White last season and then both, you know, Drew, Drew Tranquil this season. So that one was surprised. That one's the most surprising to me. Um, not a surprise with Day because I, I understand that coordinator quarterbacks coach is probably a package and you probably hire him together and probably fire him together. Um, but yeah, I mean, just what, what's your quick take on, on the firings that have, and do you see anyone else getting fired from, from this current staff or do you, do you think this is it? Nobody that comes off the top of my head. I mean, it wouldn't really surprise me, but nobody that really comes right off the top of my head, but yeah, Shane day was like, you kind of mentioned, I think that, you know, Staley and co is just kind of like, just so disgruntled about the offense. They kind of just wanted to almost clean house on that side. And unfortunately, like, you know, the QB, I, I didn't have a problem with Shane day. Um, but it's, it's hard to know from a fan's perspective, you know, behind the scenes, how much of whose success goes into those C versus how much goes into the quarterbacks coach, things along yep. those lines. Um, you know, and then, uh, the linebacker coach. Yeah. I mean, Drew Tranquil had a very, very good year this year. Uh, Kaiser White had a pretty good year. You know, we saw some flashes from Kenneth Murray here and there. Um, that, that one comes as kind of a surprise. I think it's more surprising to me just due to, you know, how little Brandon Staley uses his linebackers. Um, that I think there it's kind of hard to place blame on for the struggles of that unit that we did see, you know, primarily in the run game and definitely quite a few games this year. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think pretty much it's just a scenario of cleaning house on offense. You know, we're gonna we're gonna kind of get back to step one. We're gonna maximize all the weapons that we have to use, and I think just getting rid of Shane Day is probably part of that. And then Will Hoyt again. It's hard to just kind of place blame on anywhere on the defensive side of the ball this season. Um, it just seems there's so many inconsistencies from the defense. One game it would our pass game would not look great. Next game, you know, we give up 120 yards on the ground. In a, in a system that doesn't use backers too much. So definitely kind of hard to point fingers there. So, I mean, I guess that's not really a name that when I saw got fired, it made me like, you know, my mouth drop or anything along those lines. But w- what are your thoughts on him? Uh, first thoughts here. I was actually just looking to see how long he's been on the staff. Um, okay, no. So Staley brought him in. That's, that's what I was looking at. Here I was curious well. about that. Yeah, I was like, whoa, how do you, but I, then I remember, I'm like, yeah, they, they kind of like purged the entire staff after they fired Lynn. So um, he's a Staley guy. Staley brought him in, um, which makes it even more surprising for me. Um, he spent spent time um, in the Saints organization in 19 and 20 uh, before he, Staley brought him over, which makes more sense because um, Staley has a lot of, uh, you know, Joe Lombardi came from the Saints. I think Staley spent. Did Staley ever spend time in New Orleans, or he just? You would think with the Lombardi. amount of people he brought in from there, but I'm. I don't. Yeah, I don't just, remember I him. Knows, I think he just knows the organization. Um, he has ties, just professional ties there. I don't think he ever worked there, but like Lombardi, obviously, a uh, longtime Saints um, coach in the in the organization. But so, yeah. Um, no, I was just curious about that, and uh, makes it even a little bit more surprising for me. But 
Um, we'll see, man. Um, I thought I thought like th- I think for the most part, the linebacker unit. When I look at this def- how this defense performed as a whole throughout the the season, um, they definitely performed better better than I thought they were. Like this was a major area of concern going into the season. And, you know, Drew Tranquil kind of took a step back last year, but he took two steps forward this year, which is it'd be exactly what you want, what you wanted to see as a, as a fan. So um, thrilled with that. And also just even that makes it more surprising that they are moving on from uh, Will Hoyt, but uh, brings me to my last topic here that I want to leave us with a, a few minutes left to, to go either down a rabbit hole or just have a have a good lengthy conversation about because yeah I'm genuinely curious to hear your opinion to hear your take and um honestly like I, I know this is just kind of the state of this fan base right now like going forward there's a lot of questions but the main question is and, and one of them was answered within probably the last 24 to 36 hours which is who's going to be the coach of this team in 2023 and the answer to that is brandon staley you know um, as soon as lombardi was fired and, and no mention of staley anything i was like okay he's back in they, they had the talk they made the decision this is what we have to work with um and a lot of fans are you know still and I, i'm one of them like i i sent the tweet from our, our podcast account um i excuse my language uh but yeah, I, I, I believe that Staley deserves to be fired, should be fired. Um, and I'll get into why I believe that here in a second. But uh, I guess my, my first question I have for you are, how do you feel about Brandon Staley going forward? Um, how do you feel about him in 2023? Do you see him being the coach longer than that? And yeah, let's let's start there. You know, it's really going to come down to what we're able to do next year. If we're able to come out firing all year and get into the playoffs, make a bit of a run, then I don't see why Staley shouldn't remain coach. And it's also going to really rely on the defensive side of the ball. I know earlier in his presser he mentioned how he is still planning on calling the plays next year. Um, Don't know how I feel about that from a fan's perspective. It just seems like as the head coach, you already have so much on your plate, you know, bringing a good – Bring in a good quality DC that you're familiar with that knows your scheme well and have him be the one that calls the place. You can worry about, you know, a lot of other things that, you know, happen within the head coaching job. Um, You know, I'm not like you, you know, if, if they would have fired Brandon Staley, I would have completely understand, but I also see the side of us keeping him around, you know, our, our defense did improve towards the end of the year. Um, looked very good for one half in the playoffs. Uh, I, th- I think he showed what he can bring to the table in some small doses this year. It's just next year's all gonna, is all going to be about consistency with him, and especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I, I think bringing in a different OC, I think that hiring is going to tell a lot about Brandon Staley as well. You know, based off how our offense performs next year, and you know how our how our defense looks. So I'm not fully out on Staley yet, but he's. He's walking on very thin ice, which I think think he's been on thin ice for a while. Uh, and obviously what happened last week probably only made the ice a little bit thinner. So I don't know, man. I, I know I know your thoughts on it though. Why why are you team get this get this guy out of here? I, I just like my 
bottom line is my concerns with him are very real. Um, and those concerns are, are pretty simple. Look, we, we've come to know over the two years that he's been a coach that he is a very pride person, uh, stubborn as well. And one of the things that he does that just it, 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 it this doesn't itself affect the outcome on Sundays, but it's one of those things that you can just learn to appreciate from a professional, a coach that's ha, has the experience, has been doing this for a long time. And it's just the way he doubles down on his decision-making is, is a big concern to me. You know, um, they asked him questions in today's presser. Like, do you still think playing your starters week 18, as long as he did, would you still do it? He said, yes, I would. I would still do it. He doubled down on it. Um, and it's stuff like that where it's like, at some point, man, you have to know how to read a room. Um, you got to start taking. You got to re- take responsibility for your actions. Sometimes, take some. Sometimes. Yes, take some responsibility. Swallow your fucking pride, just for a minute. Like, be real with yourself, with the fan base, with the. T- I, I know the. I know the locker room loves you. That's great. Um, that's awesome. How they do, I don't know because as a fan, I'm ready to move on from you. So, that's great. You might, and we've known that he's a really good relationship builder that is important yada 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 um but for me it's a stubbornness and an unwilling to admit his failures and when he probably should have made a different decision and today's press conference was just kind of the perfect like cherry on top of like dude it, it it's been that way his whole tenure here but um you know it's and i get it like what do you want him to say what do you want? I mean, I get that. Like, well, yeah. I'm just going to go up and trash your fucking organization. I, I, I know. Um, but there, there are, there are times to, to be real and, and to just not as a fan base, like we just start rolling our eyes like, Oh God, here we go. You know, Staley, Staley talk. Um, so that, that just the stubbornness and the doubling down for me on, on wrong decisions. Um, uh, I guess you can throw pride and ego in there as well if you want. Um, next one is roster construction and personnel decisions. Uh, we've talked about it. We've mentioned it. It's been brought up. There's no reason why this team needs three quarterbacks, let alone three of them active on some game days. Um, there's no reason they need more than three running backs. Um, they could definitely use an extra guy or two in, in certain position groups that they are lacking depth. And it just seems kind of a mystery. I mean, look, the whole four wide receivers active thing is just what the fuck are we doing? Come on. Like you put yourself in this situation. Exactly. Like prime example is week 18. It's fresh in everyone's memory. Uh, you have four active receivers, which means what? Well, three of them are probably going to have to play the entire game, which means you can probably only take your wide receiver one out. Um, it's, it's just things like that. That don't make sense don't add up to me that I think he needs to also improve on and uh, his consistency, man, decision-making consistency performance. I think what has kept him in, in a lot of, in some fans is good graces is that he has performed when he need when he absolutely needed to most, you know, going on that four game win streak this uh, late in the season when you had to do it, when you had to have it, he made it happen. And, that was the first really consistent stretch I've seen of his young coaching career. I mean, last year, it just seems like there's too much 
win a game, lose a game, win two games, lose two games. Um, and uh, I would just like to see him become more consistent over over the course of the season this next year. And also use use your experience to get better. Use your 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 past, and this is part of the stubbornness and uh, doubling down for me is like if you're like really good coaches use the, like they learn from their experiences, any successful, anything they, they, they learn from their experiences. And I hope that now that he has two seasons of head coaching NFL experience that he can start to turn the corner and, and take progressions. Like we've seen Justin Herbert take, um, you know, I'm never going to root against Brandon Saley. Cause that means I'm rooting for against my own team, which that that'll never be the case, but I definitely have concerns, man, and I, I definitely like those are just a couple to name some some really big ones, but um, that's why I and I'll transition this into my final point before I give you the floor. This is pretty much all I have left to say about all of this. In my personal opinion, I want Brandon Staley fired because the money. The argument of the main argument against Brandon, like going after Sean Payton, going after this big time Super Bowl winning proven coach, is the money, right? Well, we can't afford it. No way, Spanos are going to cough up that much money to 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 pay him, and then pay Justin, and then they're also going to have to give up a, a first round draft pick. All that shit, right? I, I get all of that. Those are all very logical reasons to not to just stay where you're at. And I'm not even advocating to to go out and get Sean Payton. I'm just advocating to move on from Brandon Staley. And I heard something today that was almost like, for me, a light bulb going off in my head of like, oh my God, that is really, that's really good. Like, it's just, it was a great thing to hear and I wanted to share it. And it's, you know what, at the end of the day, Miles, like, Money is not, as a fan, the money is not ours to worry about. Like, as far as I'm concerned, like, Chargers, like, Spanos family, that organization, that's an issue. Like, as, as a fan, it's not an issue me. It's an issue you. That means you have to figure this out. As a fan, what do I do? Well, I go to the games. I spend hundreds of dollars on tickets. I travel. We go support them on the road. I'd buy the merch. I'd drop a couple hundred bucks on Christmas, like just charge your Christmas, right? Like all this money that we invest into this organization as a fan because we love this organization for whatever reason that we do, like we support it. Um, we're loyal. And at the end of the day, like we should expect them to go out and put together the best team that they can using all the resources that they can. Like we have the rights, we deserve an ownership that's going to go out and win it at all costs. And I, I understand, like the other, like I, like I said, I understand the other part of the other half of that argument. It's like, well, yeah, it's easy to say when it's not your money, and it's not my money. It's not, it's not our money. But as a fan, I think it's obligated to us. Like, go out, make it happen. Don't be afraid to spend money because you know what makes you no what makes you money winning and winning winning makes you money you go out and drop top dollar on a on a a top coach and 
and extend all your best players, like, and you out and you're aggressive, guess what happens? Money starts to come back in because success matters. Success, especially in this league, is a, is a pretty direct correlation to um, just financial financial success. Like you go out and win, and especially in a market like LA, you'll see it back. It'll it would be a good investment, in my opinion, and that's that's my personal opinion. Like I I I, I think Brandon Staley. And I understand, like, it doesn't it doesn't matter what I fucking think at this point. He's coming back. He's going to be our coach in 2023. Um, and I've, accept, I've accepted that. I just, I disagree with it, but I understand the decision. And I'm not sure a lot of fans do. I, I, it'll be interesting to see as we transition out of 2022 and into the 2023 season, um, you know, over the offseason, how opinions and narratives about Staley change, but um, I, I don't, I don't hate the guy. I'm not, like I said, I'm not rooting for his failure. Um, I think he's a good coach. I think he'll be a head coach again, even if he doesn't work out here. And um, yeah, that's, that's just my, my personal opinion. Yeah. Staley obviously has a lot to prove to not only us as fans, but to the whole organization, but just knowing Staley, I feel like he's, a pretty stand-up guy, and I think he knows what it's going to take, especially now that we see the firing of Lombardi and Shane Day and company. I think that that's just the first step of him showing this fan base that he knows what it's going to be able to take to win in this league. And I, I just don't think we have enough information yet. You know, we don't know the OC yet. We don't know, you know, we don't know anything about yeah. the draft. But Basically, what I'm getting from you right now is that as fans, we need to buy as much merchandise as possible so we can afford Sean Payton. Correct? A hundred percent. Not even. I, you know, I'm not even like I'm not a gung ho Sean Payton guy. I just think it, it's. I, I feel like this. You should have the same opinion on coach as you should quarterback. If you're willing to pony up the dough for a quarterback, do it for a fucking coach. Like, look at the last three hires that this organization has made, and none of them have had prior head coaching experience. So that, that would be nice, you know, but um, no, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, exactly. Like go out, but that's, that's what we should expect in return is what I'm saying. Like as, no, as one, yeah, for 100%. our support, our money, like, you know, we, we book flights, we book hotels, we book tickets, we go out on the road, we support them. Um, we buy, we buy their merch, we buy their shit. Right. Um, and, we should expect them to, to use that support and turn it into a winning team. Um, as a fan, I think you can deserve, you can demand that and, and, and have the right to deserve that. A lot of questions to be answered this off season um, at the end of the day. And, you know, we can speculate all we want, but you know, it's, it's kind of the shitty time to be a fan right now. You know, we, not much is going to be going on for the next for our team anyway for until after the Super Bowl at least and then really until like late spring exactly so this is the worst worst time of the year to be a fan right now is the fact that we know what just happened that took our season away and there's really just nothing we can do about it in this in this time so until we have more until we have more answers I think we're gonna have until we find more answers um, it's just going to be question after question yeah. for this fan base. It's always 
It's always a little bit better after the playoffs end. Once the, once the Super Bowl is over, I think it naturally there's some sort of healing that goes on for every team that got knocked out, and uh, it's just like okay, it's finally over. Now every team, now it's officially the off season. Now we can start getting this thing rolling. Um, it's it's just always tough to keep watching football while your team has been knocked out. Like th- this next week, these next Very couple tough. weeks, um, they're going to be fun games to watch, and I'm I'm really excited to watch them. But it's just this, also this the sting that comes with it of like, ah, Chargers should be in this game. As long as the Chiefs don't win it all, I'll be fine with how the playoffs play out. So that's all I got. You know what? I said the same thing to my dad on Sunday. So I was like, you know what? I'm rooting for everyone that isn't Kansas City <laughs> at this point. So Fuck Kansas City. All my homies hate Kansas City. That would make my mood going into the offseason a lot better. It would make me it'd be kind of like the cleanse cleansing of this season for me if just the Chiefs uh were to lose. Although I do I will say I want them to beat the Jaguars. I'm 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 one of those guys. I'm a I'm a petty fucker. Uh if you knock my team out, I immediately want the worst upon your team. So uh I do hope and, and, and the way I like I do want the Chiefs to lose in a neutral site game somewhere. So it's not even like uh every other year where it's like, well, they're gonna have to go through Arrowhead in the conference champ. No, it'll be neutral. So um yeah, I hope the Chiefs beat the fuck out of Trevor Lawrence. Fuck the Jaguars. Uh, and, I'll uh, I hate the Chiefs that much. Plus it makes us look better if they beat the Chiefs, so uh, I don't know. I, you're one of those guys. Like you want I the team that you want the team that knocks you out to win the whole thing, so you can say oh, you lost no. to the champions. No, I want the team that knocked us out to be Jacksonville at least, or to be right, Kansas well, City. To be Kansas City at least. I'm I'm the opposite. I'm like I, I want that team to lose so their fan base can shut the fuck up. <laughs> Fair enough. So, but um, yeah, no, it should be it should be a great uh, postseason. So, um. Anything else you want to add in here before we skedaddle? I think I've let all of my feelings out that I've needed to. So good stuff, man. Um, I don't know what what stage of of grief you're in right now. Uh, I've I've moved past the denial stage and uh, getting close to acceptance. I'm not to accept. I'm not to acceptance yet. I'm still kind of in somewhere in between that and denial. So that's fair. Well, man, um, let's go ahead and get out of here. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Chargers Powder Hour podcast. Uh, We'll have our season finale coming up here in a couple days, so uh, make sure you guys catch that on Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you listen, and make sure you follow us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram. You guys can find us at Powder Hour Pod LA. And as always, bolt up.